Right here, I have a thunder egg that we found with, with Mark Goodell. It's a little heavy. So could I get somebody strong? Uh, Mikhail, can you come up here? While I'm doing announcements, can you just hold it up like this? You can use both hands. All right, and we'll get back to it. You can scoot over a little bit. A thing I hear a lot, and a thing that is kind of a, a new greeting in America is, hey, Ken, how are you doing? And then Ken asks me how I'm doing. Busy, worn out, I'm tired. How many of you guys hear that, feel that a lot? There's a lot of reasons for that. Some of them are our own fault. Mikhail, how's your arm feeling? Um, it's, it's feeling okay. Okay. You want to stay up here? So can you hold it out a little more like this? <laughs> Just keep it out there. This, this rock's very important to me. I'm giving it to Mark Goodell uh, to cut it open. But thank you, Mikhail. But a lot of times we're tired because, like Mikhail, if he was just standing up here, if he was sitting there, he wouldn't be tired, but he was carrying something. And, and so him carrying that caused him to be tired. And I believe that a lot of us as Christians, as non-Christians, as, as everything, we are carrying things around that we don't realize. And they're wearing us out. If Mikhail had to carry this everywhere he went, and he's going around and he's talking to people, it's going to affect the way he interacts with everybody. And pretty soon he's not going to want to interact with much people. He's, he's going to want to sit down and take a rest from this burden. And we have things in us, in our hearts, that do the same thing. In the end of the year, a lot of times we talk about the year ahead or the year behind. And uh, today I want to talk about giving our burdens to God and a specific burden. Many of us trust Jesus for our salvation, but we don't trust him with our hurts. This morning I'm going to talk about trusting Jesus with our hurts. This morning I'm going to talk about forgiveness, letting go of judgments and bitterness. We talk a lot about forgiveness in the church, but no one really explains it. As a kid, I learned I needed to forgive. Unforgiveness was really bad, that I could go to hell for it. But no one ever told me what forgiveness was. I heard a lot of sermons about how important it was. Oh, you need to forgive, you need to forgive, you need to forgive. And so, so I would just magically, I, I learned as a kid, if someone said sorry, I responded by saying, I forgive you. And that was the response. I didn't know what I was saying. I could have said, I balooby blobby you. And it would have meant the same thing. And so in the church, we have a lot of people that we, we talk about forgiveness, and forgiveness is really important to them, but they don't know how to do it. I've heard people, I've been in uh, meetings with people, and I said, and they said, I, I forgive my husband, but he just doesn't care about me. And da 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 da, da. And, and then I've heard other things where it's like, well, I, I forgive you, but I'm not ever going to forget this. I forgive you. And, and there's all these things where we say, I forgive, I forgive. And it's like magic fairy dust, those words. Forgive, forgive, forgive. Forgive in faith. 
Like, that's, that's what someone told me once. Well, I was like, I don't know how to forgive. I don't know how to. Just forgive in faith. Just say, I forgive you. And it happens. But if we don't know what we're doing, it doesn't happen. We can have all the faith in the world. I can say I have, I have faith to fix my car. But until I open the hood and try to figure out how to do it, watch some YouTube videos and still not do it, then my faith isn't going to do me any good. So forgive. You keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. That's a Princess Bride quote. I'm going to be sharing about not carrying the offenses of this year into next year. I told Stacy I was going to be speaking on offense, and she told me it was, I wasn't good enough at balancing to do that. Ah, so I'm going to pray. God, I thank you that we can trust you with our hurts. I thank you for your word, and I pray that your word would go forth and our hearts would be open. I pray for anyone who's dealing with offenses and judgments and bitterness that they they would be able to break out of it. I pray all this in your mighty name. Amen. When Pastor Mitch texted me, I'd, it was later in the morning. I had finished my morning devotionals, and God had told, like, kind of had me camp on three verses that morning, and those are the verses I'm going to start with. It's in, it's in Ephesians 4. It's a verse that gets to the root of what unforgiveness is and what to do about it. And Forgiveness is a big topic that has a massive impact on our lives. And there's so much that I could teach on it that I'm, I'm only going to be able to scratch the surface this morning. My hope is to, to get some truth out, agitate you a little bit, and let the Holy Spirit continue the work. So Ephesians 4, 30 through 32 says this. It says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. It's the only time that it talks about grieving the Holy Spirit. It says, how do we, so how do we grieve? That means to bring great sorrow to the Holy Spirit. What bothers the Holy Spirit? He seems like a pretty chill, pretty flow guy. What, what is it that bothers him? And it, go, it goes in and says it. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So it talks about six things to put, put away, and all of them have their root in bitterness. Number one's bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, malice. And then it talks about three things to do. It says, be kind to one another, be tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So let's unwrap it. In Psalms 119, 130, it says, the unfolding of your words gives life. And I think sometimes we take a verse and we read it, and, uh, and we don't allow God to unwrap it. And so this morning, I want to take some time and unwrap this verse and, and see what, what God is speaking through it. So what is, what is bitterness? It says, let all bitterness 
Bitterness grieves the Holy Spirit. It should be something that we, we, we know what it is. What is bitterness? Bitterness is bile. I've heard a lot about bile recently because I got my gallbladder taken out. And bile is just the stuff in us that breaks down stuff. It's, uh, you don't want to eat bile. You don't want to eat animal bile. You but it's, it's basically it's this bitter kind of grossness. But what does bitterness look like? And when I think of bitterness, before I moved here and before I went into ministry in Portland, I was a security guard. Tell by my massive build. Uh, as a security guard at a retirement home in Portland, Oregon Baptist Retirement Home. And an interesting thing there is you could see the people who had allowed judgments and bitterness and unforgiveness affect their lives because as, as we grow older, things grow. Because you could also see the joy in the people. It's kind of like I love when uh, Rebecca comes back into town. Rebecca, what's her last name? Ross. Ross comes back in town because there's just joy all over her. You can't be unhappy around Rebecca. But, it's the same, but uh, the same thing happens as we grow older when we allow bitterness and we allow judgments to kind of implant and dwell in us. It changes our face. It changes the way we look. There's people that are unhappy about everything. And it started with one judgment. It started with letting one thing dwell in and led to more and more and more and more. There's people that are offended with the world, but it didn't start with the world. It started with their dad. And it might have been a very legitimate hurt. But it was a hurt that they made a judgment and they refused to let go of it. And so bitterness is that hurt and those judgments that we allow to dwell in us and they become acidic. They pus, they ferment, and they affect our lives. Hebrews 12.15 talks about a bitter root, and it says this, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. Another thing that's like, we want the grace of God. How can we fail to obtain it? It says that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. So how can a root spring up? That's the thing I was thinking about. I always heard that of a root spring, springs up. A root is in the ground. The way a root springs up is the root, if a root is poisoned, it gets into the rest of the plant, and, the, and so the way the root springs up is the poison goes into the fruit. And it's the same things in our lives, is we allow judgments to be implanted into us, and we let that get into the core of who we are. It starts to affect the rest of our life. Not just the relationship that we have the bitterness in, but it goes to all other relationships. So, bad fruit, bad root. Bitter root, bitter fruit. We can't deal with things on a fruit level. A lot of times when someone has anger issues or other things, we go, okay, we, we need to deal with that. He has a spirit of anger. We'll cast it out. Or we'll do this. We'll do that. But the issue isn't in the fruit. The issue is in the root, the root of bitterness. And bitterness is the judgments that we make and allow to stay in us that are judgments that God did not make. Bitterness is like malware on your computer. 
Bitterness that is something that gets into your code and it changes the function of your programming. Malware is meant to just go in. It doesn't totally, it uses your program against you. And it's the same thing with bitterness. When we allow a bitter root to go in, it, it, our life goes on the same, but something has changed. And given the right thing, we hit the right key, we go to the right area, it's going to spring up. So bitterness are judgments that we've made against each other and that we have allowed to dwell in us. In Matthew 7, 1 through 5, Jesus talks about judging. It's one of the most misquoted verses it starts with. It says, judge not that you be not judged. Who has ever confronted somebody about sin and they've used that verse to tell you not to do that? A lot of times you confront somebody about sin, hey, you shouldn't be living with your girlfriend right now, you're not married. Well, the Bible says not to judge. But it's not talking about that because throughout the Bible, it, it talks about judging the actions. It's okay to look at an action that the Bible says is sin and go, that's sin. So Jesus says, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Is anyone else a very visual reader? And so when you see it, like you see somebody trying to take a speck out of someone's eye, like me trying to take a speck out of Ken's eye and hitting him with a log. <laughs> it's talking about judgment. Judgment isn't, uh, it's not talking about judging sin because throughout the Bible, God tells us to judge sin. So what is it talking about? What is the judgment that we're not called to do? One is to condemn. In Luke 6, 37, Jesus says, judge not, condemn not. It's when I say something, like when I say, kale is just a flake. Kale's not a flake. That's just, that's just who he is. That's me putting a stamp on kale and, and making a judgment that I am not kale's judge to make. I am condemning him or, or saying, that person's not worthy of my time. So it's to condemn He's evil. He's just a flake. I can never trust them again. Or it's to judge the heart according to the actions. In John 7, 23, Jesus says, do not judge according to appearances. Sometimes things look bad on the outside, but we can't judge the motives of the person doing them. In John 8, 15, Jesus says, you judge according to the flesh. Examples of this, of judging heart according to the actions is, Pastor Mitch didn't smile at me it's because he doesn't like me. Or, no one came up to talk to me at church today. I always have to be the one to reach out to people. No one really cares about me. My husband is not encouraging me recently. He doesn't really care about what I need. I can never please him. It's when we go beyond the action and go into the motive behind it. That is where we get into the territory where Jesus is saying, judge not. So what is this plank in our eye that Jesus is talking about? This log. It's not our own sin, because that wouldn't make sense. 
become sinless enough and you can start go around judging people. That's a translation the Pharisees would love. Okay, well, I, Rod sins a lot more than me, so, so Rod, I can rebuke you. Stacy, I, I, can't, uh, I can't help you because uh, I sin a little more than you do. It's kind of measuring. It's not talking about that. As a kid, that's, that's what I learned in church is that it was like, well, deal with your big sin, and then you can help them with the little sin. And it's like, well, we all have sin. We've all fallen short. So what is this log? And I believe the answer is right in the verse. The log is the spirit of judgment. When we are wronged, we sinfully create charges and judgments. It says, judge not, lest you be judged. Don't worry about the speck in your brother's eye, but get the log out of your own eye. What did he just tell us not to do? To, not to judge. So what is the log? It's, it's the, judge, the judgments that we have. If, I am, if I'm working with Sam and I have judgments against him, I'm not going to be able to help him. Because anything that's in me, any judgment that I've made that's not from God is going to harm him more than I'm going to be able to help him. And so the log in our eyes that we need to pull out is that spirit of judgment. It's, it's the charges that we've made. The charge speaking to the motive behind the actions, like they don't care, or the judgment, something you believe about that person. Pastor Josh is a jerk, and he needs to shut up and stop preaching. That would be a judgment. Pastor Josh just said, shut up. He shouldn't preach anymore because he doesn't care about the holiness of the church. That, that's a judgment. Romans 14.4 and 10 through 13 says this. Paul's writing to the Romans who are having some issues about disagreeing with things. And they were all judging each other about what they did or didn't do. And he says this, Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord will make him stand. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account to himself, of himself to God. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. When we allow judgments in, they get into our roots, creating bitterness. They implant themselves into our hearts. They change our programming like malware. Then they begin, began to begin to change our fruit, the way we treat others, our words, our actions. I can't afford to have judgments in me that are not from God. The reason bitterness and unforgiveness is such a grave sin in the Bible is because it is the sin where we are, are trying to, to take the place of God. The Bible says over and over, I am the judge. Who are you to judge the servant of another? And we take the place of God and we sit on the judgment seat and we go, okay, that person's worthy of love. That person's not. That person's done too much to hurt me. That person has not done too much to hurt me. And we, we start to make these judgments and it's wrong. And it's ruining our lives. And some of you are worn out because of the judgments that you care, carry. 
So unforgiveness and bitterness is when we carry judgment against someone. This is why it doesn't work just to say, I forgive you. Because I can say, I forgive you, Ken, but if I still have judgments against him, those words mean nothing. Peter asked Jesus about forgiving. This is the story Jesus told him to explain. Matthew 18, 21 through 35. Then Peter came up to him and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? I think Peter was really proud of that number. Seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. One talent was worth about 20 years' wage for a laborer. So 10,000 talents, this is 200,000 years that it would take this guy to repay it. And since he couldn't pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children, and all he had in payment be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me! I will pay you everything! And And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. A debt being forgiven that he could never repay. Sounds familiar? But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Denarius was a day's wage for a laborer. So this was, it was pretty good money, but compared to 200,000 years, 100 days worth of money. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servant saw that had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brothers from your heart. So this parable is an absurd story to have just just have 200,000 years of debt forgiven and then to go to somebody for that small of a debt and choke them and demand that they pay is absurd. But we do that. We do that every day. We do that in our marriages. We do that with our families. We do that with our friends. Some of you may not every day. I'm a bit judgmental. So I'm, the, I, I, I'm, in, I'm in the have to repent every day. Well, we go, and Jesus has forgiven me for so much. Yet I go... And Stacy doesn't say hi when I get home. She's in the middle of a show. Three minutes left. He doesn't care about me. I'm just going to go in the other room. I'm not going to help make dinner now. And, and it's absurd. 
Jesus is with me. He ripped the veil of my sin and is standing beside me because he forgave me. And I can't forgive that. Just like that man, we, we shout, pay what you owe. But Pastor Josh, he was so mean. Pay what you owe. But they didn't treat me right. Pay what you owe. But I give everything in my marriage and I get nothing in return. Pay what you owe. So this is why Paul pleads with us and I plead with you to put away bitterness. The root of bitterness leads to the fruit of wrath, anger, clamor, slander, and malice. That's why I kind of camped on bitterness because if we deal with the root, the fruit will be taken care of. Wrath means passion. It's boiling anger. It means to breathe hard. It's the, oh, no, he didn't. It's the... You will pay what you owe, and you will do it right now. It's the you hurt me, and now you're going to get hurt. It's that burning anger. It's violence in action or words, and sometimes it can come across really hot, but some of, sometimes it can be really cool, but you know what you're doing. You're making them pay. It's the lust of anger. Anger is sensual. You can give into it just like lust and ride the wave. I know that a lot of my life I gave into anger. There's knife marks on uh, on the bathroom door where my my brother shut himself in there, and and I was chasing him with a knife. I drew a knife on my dad. I had major anger issues. I had to go to counseling. And it's because I didn't ever learn how to forgive until I was a teenager. Everyone just told me, say, I forgive you. But I had all these judgments that I didn't know what to do with. So there's wrath and there's anger. And anger means to stretch out for something. It's the desire for revenge. It's the how can I make them pay. It can be cold and calculating. It can be withholding things. It's a fruit that cannot be dealt with until you deal with the judgments you are carrying and your root of bitterness. Clamor is, means an outcry. It's the make them pay. I can't believe they're getting away with this. It's the angry person on the, the corner. It's the angry wife or husband. It's the angry teenage son or teenage daughter. Mom, it's not fair. No one treats me right. They want the whole world to know. They're crying out. That, that you need to pay for the way you're treating them. I know there's people that are stuck in this. You have fits of rage that you've tried, you've prayed, you've gone and, and you've repented and you've humbled yourself and, and you continue to try to pull off the bad fruit and it just keeps coming out. It's in the root. It's in the judgments that you are holding of other people. Fifth is, the fifth thing he talks about putting off is slander, which means vilification. It's, I'm going to show everyone that that person deserves to pay. The word devil in the Bible means slanderer. When it talks about gossips in the Bible not being a, gospel, a gossip, it talks about not being a devil. And so when we slander, when we give in to that desire and that fruit, 
that's flushing through our, that bitter root, we are doing the work of Satan. When we're offended, it doesn't want to stay with us. Offense is like a disease that wants to spread. Can you believe what so-and-so did? So we'll, we'll put something on Facebook, vague book. We'll go uh, vague booking. I'm like, can you believe what he did? I, I'm just done. Or we'll call our friends. Man, I'm just so... Da, 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 da. Can you... Rod McCall, I can't believe that he did that to me. And we, we spread it. Donald Trump, I can't believe he did that. Obama said, what? Let, let, me, let me post a meme on Facebook. Because I'm offended. I want other people to be offended with me, and I'm righteous. I'm not talking about calling out sin. I'm talking about speaking ill of somebody. Final thing is malice, which is ill will. It's that they don't deserve good. They deserve to pay. It, it can also look like disinterest. It's cutting people out of your life. I've worked with people that have just cut people out of their life, cut people out of their life, cut people out of their life. And I know eventually I'm going to be one of the people they cut out of their lives. And every time it happens, if they're not willing to deal with it, and that's because of, of judgments that they have, that they, that's at that, that root of bitterness. And they can look really sweet, but they're just as bitter as the angry man yelling on the corner. 1 Corinthians 5.8 talks about the leaven of malice. It affects everything it touches. All of your relationships suffer. 1 Corinthians 14.20 says, Be infants in malice. Don't let it intimately affect you. So it says, Put away all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, and all malice. We want to say all but this one. It says, he says, all. But this one was too big. Well, this one, it doesn't matter. It's just little. It's just me being silly. All. Jesus says, I want it all. How do we put it away? How can we start 2019 judgment and bitterness free? Paul gives us three keys in it. It's the three things he says to do. He says, put away these things. It's like, okay, that's great. Let's put it away. How do we do it? And he says, starts with be kind to one another. And the word kind, we've killed that word. We've sissified it in America. It's like, it's so kind. They're so kind. They're so kind. So sweet. They wouldn't hurt a fly. But kindness actually means to boldly do good. It means to risk rejection. It means to do good, not expecting anything in return. Love is primarily an action, not a feeling. We have all these feelings that judgments cause in us. It changes our chemistry. It changes the chemicals in our brain. It changes everything. But in the midst of that, we can still choose love. Because love has nothing to do with our, at its root, has nothing to do with our feelings. Love is primarily an action, not a feeling. 
Mr. Rogers says, love isn't a state of perfect caring. It's an active noun, like struggle. To love someone is to strive to accept that person exactly the way he or she is right here and now. So how do we, how do we fight the judgments? The first thing is we stop listening to them. And we start listening to our Father and start loving Ephesians 4.26 says, be angry and do not sin. How do we do that? Either you control your emotions or they control you. And you go, no, not today. I'm not listening. The people I tip the best are the waiters that irritate me. I'm kind of a snob when it comes to like eating out and stuff, and I don't eat out that much, and so like I get really irritated with bad service, and so I'm like, oh. okay, I'm going to give them double tip, <laughs> and just to to kill my flesh, to say no, I'm not going to listen to this judgment. I'm not going to I'm not going to look at that person as a consumer. I'm going to look at that person like I'm light of the world, and and Christ is in me, and they need His hope. If you have negative feelings about someone, don't listen to them. Luke 6.35 says, Jesus says, but love your enemies and do good and lend. Here's an important part. It says, love your enemies and do good. We hear love your enemies. But this is the important part. Expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and evil. He's kind to the ungrateful and evil, also known as us. How many of you guys would say, I am ungrateful to God a lot of times? So we give, expecting nothing in return. And with that, we're telling that judgment, no, I'm not listening to you. Romans 12, 19 through 20, Paul says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, if he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. As Christians, we can forgive. We, we, don't, we can give up our judgments because we know we serve a righteous judge. Everything will be made right. Either through the cross or through punishment and discipline. People will pay. Nobody's getting away with anything. It's a thing a lot of people worry about, like, well, so-and-so is just going to get away with this. No, they're not getting away with anything. Let God take care of that. Our job isn't to judge, it's to love. Do something expecting nothing in return. Go out of your way to show love to the people you don't like. There's going to be people in the church you don't like. People shouldn't know who that is. Some of the people I started out not liking have become my best friends. Some of you are like, I'm one of your best friends. <laughs> Leave the vengeance business to God. So be kind. Do something. Then it says be tender-hearted. The correct translation of that is be strong-bowed. I thought that was funny. <laughs> in, in the Hebrew culture, the bowels represented the deep seat of the emotions. And it, 
is pretty accurate. When, when our emotions are built up, it affects us, right? But we like the heart more because it looks better on a Valentine's Day card. <laughs> hey, baby. Kale, when you get home, you can say, hey, you're strong bowed. <laughs> She'll melt. <laughs> Ephesians 4, 26 through 27 says, don't let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity for the devil. What's the devil? The slanderer. So why do we not let the sun go down on our anger? Because it, that, that word opportunity means foothold. It's letting a foothold into our heart, into our bowels, into the seat of our emotions for Satan's slander to come in. And I don't know about you guys, times I go to sleep angry don't work well for me. That night, I'm, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm angry at everybody. Has anyone ever done that? Like you start angry with one person over something little, and by the morning, all of a sudden, the world is evil, and you're the only righteous one? <laughs> I'm standing for truth. <laughs> I'm the only one who has not bowed my knee to Baal. Colossians 3.12 says, put on compassionate hearts. That's seeing people through God's eyes. As we drop judgments and ask God for his view of who they truly are. 1 Peter 3.8-9 says, finally all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, and tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. Being tenderhearted is about stopping the cycle of evil for evil and going, okay, I'm going to choose in my heart to bless. No matter what they do to me, I'm going to bless them. The final thing he talks about is the hardest. It's the magic word that we use so much in Christianity, forgive. And that word means to pardon. To pardon means to drop judgments. So what is forgiving? It's to drop judgments. It's to repent of making yourself a fake judge. Fake judges, there's a reason they're just on daytime TV. No one wants to watch them on prime time. And fake judges are fake judges. They don't do well. It's pulling the log out of your eye and saying, they did something wrong, but I've judged them for it since then. And I'm the one who's wrong. I'm the problem now. That's an easy thing for me to say, say it from up here. It's a harder thing when you've been rocked to your core by someone else's sin. It's giving the gavel back to the true judge. I would venture to guess that many of us in the room are carrying a judgment against someone for something they have done or not done to us right now. Some of you are aware of it. Some of you are not. There are things, there's something just recently that happened at the beginning of our marriage that I was carrying a judgment about with Stacy that I just figured out that I was. We got in a fight, and it was like, wait, <laughs> I'm holding this against you from 13 years ago. And it was a little thing. It's the little foxes that ruin the vineyard. We've all been hurt at some point in our lives. When we are hurt, many times we make the sinful choice to make ourselves judge by assuming motives, 
or making judgments about the person. This is what unforgiveness or bitterness is. So how do we get the root of bitterness? How do we, how do we get out of that? How do we pull it out? How do we take the judgments we've made and, and give them? It's, it's really simple and hard at the same time. Start by finding out who you are judging. A lot of times I'll, probably about every other week, I'll put a notepad down and I'll say, Holy Spirit, who am I judging? And a lot of times I won't think I'm judging anybody and I'll be like, boom, 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 boom. Next page, boom, 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 boom. And, and I'll go, oh. So it's taking the time and, and going, okay, who am I judging? And we tend to have judgments most against those who are the closest to us. Because those are the ones that can hurt us the most because our walls are down. People that meet on the road, if they're rude to me, I don't care. They don't affect me. But when Stacy's rude to me, when so a close friend is rude to me, that hurts more. So you find out who you are judging. Then find what judgments and charges you are making. The motives you've assumed on people. What a motive did I assume on them? When she was upset and yelling at me and hurt, what was I judging her about? What was I, what was I thinking that her motive was? The final judgments you've made. What is the thing that I, the stamp that I've put on their forehead? So you find it out, and then you repent. You give it to the true judge. What forgiveness is, really it's not between you and the other person. It's between, mostly between you and God. Because you've taken the place of God and you've sinned against him. And it's going to God and say, forgive me for judging Stacy, for not seeming to care. You are the true judge and only you know. Forgive me for charging Pastor Josh with being a jerk. You're the true judge, and only you know. Our judgments may be right. We don't know. That's not the issue. The issue is we're not the ones making that need to be making the judgments. So all of our judgments, even if they're right, are wrong. Beyond saying, this is sin. It's okay to do that. It's okay to say, that's sin. So some of you are carrying a lot of boulders, and you're tired. You've been trying to fake it till you make it, but you're weary. Jesus says, give me your burdens and take my yoke, which is easy. Maybe it's in your marriages, wives who've let their hearts grow cold to their husbands, husbands who've given up hope on their wives. Maybe it's big boulders of abuse that happened to you, divorce, abortion, an affair, backstabbing, someone who you were supposed to be able to trust and left. Or maybe it's the small foxes that ruin the vineyard, those silly hurts that you swallow. That's what's hard for me is the ones where I'm, I'm hurt and I know I'm being stupid about it. And I'll just swallow it and just I'm not going to deal with it. And the malware gets in and it starts affecting my being because I, I'm not giving the judgment to God. I'm just ignoring it. The martyr syndrome, I'll just deal with it. I'll be the one to sacrifice in the marriage. 
I'll be the one to sacrifice in this relationship. I'll be the one to reach out to people since no one reaches out to me. Or the not wanting to cause a fuss. Well, if I deal with this, I may have to talk to that person. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to. That'll be awkward and this and that. And, and so we let those judgments stay in us. And Jesus says, take care of it today. Don't let the son of 2018 go down on your anger. I want to give an altar call in closing. And uh, first I'm going to pray, and I just I want you to take some time and, and check your heart and ask the Holy Spirit to, to show, is there judgments I'm carrying? Some of you maybe have, or like you see it already, and you're like, man, I've, I've been carrying them since I was young. Some of you may be unaware. Some of you maybe don't have judgments right now but it doesn't hurt to ask. So Holy Spirit, right now, I pray you would show us in our heart if there's any root of bitterness, if there's any judgment that we've made. I pray you'd make it clear of who it is that we judged and what judgments we've made, what charges, what condemnation we've placed on them. Just repent. Give those judgments to God. God, forgive us. Forgive us for the times we've made ourselves judge. God, give us the strength to give those judgments to you. To be tender-hearted, to be kind. I pray that as they give those judgments to you, Holy Spirit, we give you permission to flood their heart with your love, your grace, and your healing. Because I know for many of them, those judgments come with a lot of hurt attached. Holy Spirit, it's only through you. You are the one that gives us the power. Help us to forgive Jesus like you forgave. God, we lay our judgments at the altar. We pray all this in your mighty name. Amen.